It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Locked On NBA Fantasy Minute is presented by PrizePix. PrizePix is the most fun you can have playing daily fantasy basketball and winning up to 25 times your money. Go to prizepix.com slash LockedOnNBA and use the code LockedOnNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. We are very much in the thick of the fantasy basketball playoffs. You might be starting it this week. You might be already in it. It might be a week away. And at this point of the year, with only five weeks left in the entire regular season, Playing the schedule is the most important thing. So this week, the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Los Angeles Lakers play two games only. So any fringe players you have from those teams, even guys, yes, like Kyle Anderson replacing Kyle Anthony Towns, that's not worth it with two games on. You need to be stacking extra games and you need to be looking at the teams with four games. You need to be looking at teams with games early in the week and then switching them out for teams with more games later in the week. Get more games in, play the schedule, be cutthroat with injuries and get players in to get yourself success for fantasy basketball. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grimly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Let's get it going on the Locked On Thunder podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your teams every day. I'm your host, Rylan Styles. You can follow me on Twitter at Rylan underscore Styles. That's at R-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I-L-E-S. On today's show, we're going to be talking about the possible playoff matchup between the Oklahoma City Thunder and the Los Angeles Lakers, and also diving into the latest NBA and Thunder news. Let's start with the Thunder news. Abdul Nader talked to us today at the Thunder Media Availability, and he says Andre Robertson's shot has been the best he's seen it. And that gave a ton of people excitement. And it feels like every media availability, it's just Andre questions. And we haven't talked to Andre yet, but it feels like we have because we've gotten updates from every single player that's come to the podium about Andre Robertson. And, you know, I would expect Nader to say this. I wouldn't put too much stock into Nader Let's face it, he hasn't been around a healthy Andre Robertson all that long. So for him to say the shot looks good, it doesn't really hold that much weight. But hey, he's still around Andre a lot more than anyone else says as his teammate. So we'll see what Andre can bring. I'm skeptical on the fact of him not playing basketball for two years and then all of a sudden adding something to his game, something he did not have before, which would be that jump shot. I I don't think that Abdul meant that he will be better uh, from beyond the arc or anything like that. 
uh, but maybe he just meant he was in a rhythm now and he was looking more smooth in the sense of uh, confident and, and trusting himself to make the right decision. But that's your Andre update. It feels like we have one every single day and probably will throughout this entire bubble whenever he first steps on the floor and updates from that and things as they progress around Andre Robertson. But it is Stephen Adams' birthday today as I'm recording this, so happy birthday to Stephen Adams. Uh, but let's take this time to talk about Stephen Adams' future with the Oklahoma City Thunder. And I know that he's a fan favorite. I know that off the floor, he's phenomenal. I mean, he's someone who you can market, especially in a small market like this. He's someone who can get you attention. And the future on the floor, though, is a bit more in question, let's say. So he's an expiring contract in 2020-2021. He is 27 years old today. And this puts the Thunder in an interesting position. He's not old enough to consider him aging. He's not on the wrong side of 30 yet. But he's not young enough to consider him a part of the young core. And I think what we'll see with Steven Adams and the decision to move him or not move him will come down to how confident is Sam Presti that they can get this turned around quickly. Because if this is going to be a three, four-year process, if it's going to take three to four years for Sam Presti to put pieces around Shea to make this team contenders again, then you will be looking at Steven Adams as someone who's aging uh, or even someone who's aged poorly in the new NBA uh, and, and just can't stay on the floor anymore. Uh, or is no longer a fringe all-star, is no longer a solidified starter in the NBA. So he's right at the cusp where if he does get traded this offseason, I can see a lot of people being angry about this. I can see a lot of fans being angry and justifiably. I can also see a lot of fans being excited because they sold on Steven Adams at the right time. Uh, he probably will not have any more upside than this. Uh, he will probably not have any more trade value than this. So whatever you can get for him this offseason uh, or at the trade deadline next season will be the ceiling for his return. So the 27-year-old part is the biggest deal to me. Because again, he's not young enough to be considered a, a building block. He's also not old enough for you to want to get out of that contract, to, for you to want to get out of, of him. Dennis is old enough. You're going to want to get rid of Dennis. He's an expiring contract next year, and Dennis has been fun. He's been awesome. You're not going to build around Dennis. When this team is ready to compete, Dennis is not going to be a part of it. Chris Paul is old enough. If you get the right return that you want, you're going to trade Chris Paul. He's old enough. He's, he's too old to be a part of whatever Shea and Baisley can turn into. Gallo, same thing. But Adams, being 27 years old, he's on the cusp of what do you want to value here? What decision do you want to make? And the pros for Steven Adams, beyond off-the-court stuff, on the court, he is fantastic for young point guards. And if you think Chris Paul will be traded this year, I think you have to keep Steven Adams around for at least the first half of the year. I don't think you can throw Shea in there as a lead point guard and the lead ball handler for the first time without someone like Steven Adams to help him. And Steven is a fantastic screen setter, the best screen setter in the league. He also is one of the smartest basketball players in the league. He is so smart on the floor. He can direct an offense from the center position without having the ball, which is just unheard of. It really is. 
you would need, if you're going to let Shea next year become your lead ball handler and become the guy that runs this offense full-time, no help from Chris Paul, no help from Dennis, you're going to need Steven Adams. You're going to need him anchoring the defense. You're going to need him setting screens and, and freeing up space for Shea to build his confidence up. So he's great for young point guards, and that's that's a huge point in his favor when you look at the way this roster is constructed around Shea. Huge point for him. Another point for him is what is the what is the demand for for Stephen Adams? What is the demand on the open market? I don't think he'll get priced out of Oklahoma City's price range. I think that after next year, whenever his contract's up, if the Thunder want him back, they can easily retain Stephen Adams. They can easily pay Stephen Adams. The reason the Thunder traded traded Jeremy Grant was because they felt like they couldn't retain him. Now, who could have predicted a pandemic and Daryl Morey taking shots at China and the cap plummeting? Who could have predicted that? So that's not Sam Presti's fault. But at the time, it looked like an expiring contract for Jeremy Grant and a guy that you were not going to re-sign because he was going to command too much money because he's so versatile, because he's so good. Go ahead and trade him for a first-round pick. You've gotten Gallo to play some of his minutes. That, that looks like a beautiful trade. You could see that again with Steven Adams, but the question is, what's the demand for Steven Adams? What is his demand on the open market? And I would compare it to Clint Compella. Now, let me be frank. I think Steven Adams is a better center than Clint Capella. But we have to be honest here. We have to be a non-homer for a second. He's not that much better than Clint Capella. The difference between Steven Adams and the difference between Clint Capella is like one step up the staircase. They're very close. And all the Rockets got back for Clint Capella was Robert Covington and Jordan Bell. Granted, Clint Capella was not on an expiring deal, but that's all they got back was Robert Covington and Jordan Bell. So really, they only got back Rocco. Would a player like Robert Covington be good enough to get back for Steven Adams? Or would you hope you can find a team like Denver, obviously not exactly Denver, but like Denver, a team that's wanting to win, a team that's wanting to compete, a team that's projecting their first-round pick to be no earlier than 25, and get a first-round pick back. So trade him to the Clippers who need a center. Trade him to, to, to a contending team that needs a big man, and you get their low first-round pick back. I think that's more the route you want to go. But is a team going to be willing to give up that first-round pick for Steven Adams, who's a fringe all-star, not an all-star, a fringe all-star, solid center in this league, but on the other hand, which is a, another con against him, we've seen other centers be productive. Nerlens Noel on this very team could be a starter, and yeah, you would notice a drop-off a little bit, especially uh, in, the, in the IQ department, especially in the hustle department, the, 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 uh, the things that aren't on a box score like diving for loose balls, uh, flowing within the offense, uh, Adams is a better passer than Noel, things like that, you'd see a drop-off. But you take together their overall body of work, Noel could be a starter, and you would not miss much. You'd miss some. You would not miss much. And that's the problem that Steven Adams will run into playing that center position. You can, you can find a way to find a serviceable center where you can't do that with point guard. You can't do that with small forward. They're going to they're gonna get exposed if you just want a serviceable center. If you want a serviceable center, you're going to be fine. But you cannot have a serviceable point guard and be a good team. 
Again, the Clippers have no center on their roster that's worth their salt, in my opinion. I mean, at best, they're all mediocre. And they're the t- they're, they are the title favorites. So you, you can build a, a roster without a center. I don't think you can build a roster without a, a point guard and a wing. So that's, that's a con against him. Are you going to give up a first-round pick for someone who can only play center? For someone who has injury issues? And it's nothing major. It's no torn ACL or anything like that. But he does get banged up a lot. He's banging bodies down low. He's banging every single play. What does that turn into in, in three years? Is he going to age rapidly because of those nicks and bruises he gets day in and day out? Can his body hold up? So I think the conversation around Steven Adams is very interesting. Expiring contract, which is always good in the NBA. Great for young point guards, which you could see a, a team with a young point guard want to take a chance on him. I know Dallas has uh, monitored the interest of Steven Adams. Uh, and he'd, he'd fit there even though they have KP. KP does not like to play center. He says the right things publicly, but he likes to play power forward. I'm not sure the fit there with Adams and Dallas, but that's one team as a young point guard in Luka. They have a guy in KP that does not want to play center the same way Anthony Davis does not prefer to play center. He'd, he'd fit in in Dallas. The question is, what would you get back for them? You know, for Steven Adams, would you get Tim Hardaway Jr. back? I mean, is that enough for you to feel good about giving up Steven Adams whenever you consider that Adams will truly help Shea? Adams will truly help Shea's development. Tim Hardaway Jr. is a good shooter, a good player. He's not going to help Shea's development. And I think that that would be the difference maker in between Adams being here next year at the start of the year and not. And again, he's not like Jamie Grant in the sense of he's not going to get priced out of Oklahoma City's market. If he signs somewhere else in the offseason of 2021 with all stars on the market, with that loaded class, if he gets priced out of Oklahoma City, I will be floored. If he, if he goes anywhere else but Oklahoma City, it'll be simply because Sam Presti did not want him. It will not be because of anything of financial reasons. So that's another pro for Adams because if you feel like you feel like you can retain him, you feel like you do not need to trade him and get rid of him and just get a return back for him. What do you guys think? Should Stephen Adams be on this roster? Should Stephen Adams be a member of the Thunder moving forward, or do you think that starting this offseason and into the trade deadline, the Thunder should look at moving him? Let me know on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles. So it's at R Y L A N underscore S-T-I-L-E-S. After the break, let's preview the Lakers playoff matchup. No matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax experts make them count. Did you say no to a big wedding and elope at the county courthouse? That's a move. Did you go back to school to get your degree? That's a move. Did you relocate for a fresh start? Well, that's literally a move. Maybe you moved into a houseboat instead of a house house or switched gears from rideshare driving to video game streaming. Or you rode the stock market to the moon and back. TurboTax experts make all your moves count, getting you every credit and deduction you deserve. They'll file with 100% accuracy and get you your max refund guaranteed. So switch to TurboTax. Make your moves They'll make them count. See guarantee details at TurboTax.com guarantees. Experts only available with TurboTax Live. So let's continue on with this series of previewing possible playoff matchups. We've done the entire first round. I think the next two days, the Lakers and the Clippers, there's no way, in my opinion, 
that you play these two teams in the first round. So we've already taken care of the first round. We've got the, the Nuggets, the Rockets, the Jazz, and the Mavericks. I think those are the teams that you'll match up with in the first round. Let's move on to the second round matchups and who I think you'll be seeing there. The Lakers and the Clippers. Let's start with the LA Lakers today. We'll do the Clippers tomorrow. And it is Optimism Tuesday. Check out last week's episode of Optimism Tuesday with Andre Robertson. This week, let's look at this Lakers playoff matchup from an optimism standpoint, an optimistic standpoint, I should say. The Lakers won in November 112-107. They also won in November 130-127. And they won in January 125-110. So the Thunder are 0-3 against the Lakers. But inside the bubble, the Lakers are without Rajon Rondo and Avery Bradley. So what that means is they're going to be de- they're going to be depending on J.R. Smith, who has recently added to the roster and has not played with the team yet, outside of just the practices within the bubble, and Deion Waiters, who got added to this who got added to this roster right before the season got put on hold. And you you look at that, and, and in a normal scenario, in a normal uh, series, losing Rondo and Bradley doesn't hurt you that much. It hurts your depth for sure, but it wouldn't kill you. However, you look at this three-guard lineup with their speed, with the shiftiness, with the ability to change direction. How do the Lakers match up with three guards? I know they have LeBron who can overpower anyone in this league, but from tip-off to the final buzzer, can he chase around three guards? Can he do that consistently while putting up a monstrous effort on the offensive end? And maybe he can. But it'd sure be nice to have Avery Bradley to help take off the load. It'd sure be nice to have Rondo take off the load of LeBron defensively. Because LeBron's going to have to carry this team offensively with AD. Him and AD are going to be the two people you have to stop. And so just as you ask the question, who defends the three-guard lineup? Well, who defends LeBron James? I think with Anthony Davis, if you get a good series from Steven Adams and you have Noel, a shot blocker at the rim, to cycle through, a lean center like Noel, who can be serviceable whenever AD tries to stretch the floor, I think you can you can corral AD the best you can. That does not mean they're going to shut him down. It just means they're not going to let him torch them over and over and over again. It's the difference between like a, a 25-point performance and a 40-point performance for AD. I, I think being able to cycle through Adams to Noel, who I think Noel can be a starting point guard on some of these NBA rosters, I think that that's going to be a huge benefit for the Thunder down low if you get a good series from Steven Adams. And with this layoff, with with his time to heal, uh, he's not going into the postseason banged up like he always is. I do trust Adams to, again, if healthy, defend AD pretty well. And, and there is no such thing as shutting down AD, so don't clip this and repost it when AD goes off for 28 points, but corralling him within reason. For LeBron, I don't know who you put on LeBron. I really don't, to even bother him. Lou Dort is undersized. He's not going to be able to even get in the way of LeBron, although they would have said the same thing about J.J. Barea in 2011. We won't get into that, though. And Andre, again, I, I, I love Andre Robertson. I hope he plays. I hope he does well. It's a, it's a good story to root for. It's someone you can't help but root for. But do you think he can play more than 10 minutes a game? He hasn't played in two years. And after eight games to get in shape, and uh, let's just call it six more in the first round, 
You expect him to go toe-to-toe with LeBron James? You expect him, just say it out loud, you expect him after eight games in a first-round playoff series to go toe-to-toe for 48 minutes against LeBron James, the best player in the world. That's what you're expecting from a guy who suffered a devastating, gruesome knee injury two years ago and has not been able, has not been able to play since then. I don't see it. I really don't. And I'm, I'm hoping that Andre can at least play. But I think that we're underestimating what it takes to come back from a knee injury. It's why he has not played in two years. I don't think that he'll just hop right back on that knee in NBA basketball, in playoff NBA basketball, and remain at that elite defensive prowess. I've talked about this before. For Andre, or aggression defensively, luckily for him, would be like going from elite to a very good defender. So he'll still be very good, but very good does not slow down LeBron James. And that's not to say Andre will get embarrassed by LeBron James, but one, I don't think he can play more than 10 minutes, and two, when he does play, LeBron's still going to get his. So... I don't think the Thunder have anything to stop LeBron, but you move on to this roster without without Bradley, without Rondo, with some size equipped to contain AD. You're going to need a miracle, but you're going to push this to, to a game six and a game seven. This series will be fun. The, the Lakers would not go 4-0 against this Thunder team. Again, assuming Dennis Schroeder's back and assuming he's ready to go and play. They're not going to sweep this Thunder team. And if you push a series to six games, seven games, then any anything can happen at that point. And who knows who will get injured on either side. Someone could opt out. Someone could get COVID. There are so many variables. While eliminating the home crowd advantage, while eliminating the travel advantage from Oklahoma City to LA, there are so many variables that something just totally random could happen. And look, I could be wrong, okay? I could be totally wrong, and Andre comes back, and this is why he waited two years. He didn't want to rush it. He's ready to go full full 100% go time in the bubble. And this is why he waited two years, to, to just randomly pull out his basketball prowess and elite defense after a global pandemic and inside the bubble. Maybe that's his plan all along. But I don't see it happening inside the bubble. I've talked about it before, and I talked about it yesterday. I think his plan is to play basketball. It's not to try to win a title. It's not to try to stop LeBron. It's to show the NBA and this organization he can just simply touch the floor again, earn himself another minimum contract, play next year on the minimum, and have an 82-game stretch or whatever next year will be to show that he is still an elite defender. But he's not gonna, I don't think he's going to be able to show that in the bubble. I really don't. So the question becomes, in a six- to seven-game series, with the lack of depth for the Lakers, do you trust this Thunder team in the clutch to steal a couple games? Because you're going to have to steal some games. They are not better than the Lakers. And honestly, no. I don't think the Thunder can beat either L.A. team. Something wacky can happen. Injuries, COVID, whatever it may be. Something can happen. But on paper, with what we know right now, there is no way this Thunder team can beat either LA squad without without a miracle. They, they, they cannot match up man-to-man, mano-a-mano, and beat the Lakers. The same way they can the Denver Nuggets, the Dallas Mavericks, the Houston Rockets, and the Utah Jazz. They can man up and beat all of those teams 
by just playing their brand of basketball. With the Lakers and the Clippers, you're going to need help. You're going to need something, an outside factor, to help bail you out and to help win you games. Whether that's an injury, a bad call, COVID, whatever it is, you're going to need something that can win you this series. It's not going to be the X's and O's on the floor. They're just not ready to compete with the likes of LeBron and AD. And hey, this season, go back to September, the Thunder had a 0.2% chance of making the postseason, and now we're talking about them going to the second round of the playoffs and pushing the Lakers to six or seven games. That's impressive. If they can get back to the second round of the playoffs for the first time since Kevin Durant left, I don't care what happens in that second round. I really don't. I don't care what happens. Especially when you factor in all the storylines that went in to this season. So after the break, we're going to talk about some NBA news that we have missed over the weekend and get you caught up to date from around the association. This is Jake from Locked On. Locked On has teamed up with State Farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in NBA history. After beating the Heat led by LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in 2011, Dirk Nowitzki won an NBA title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. But there was one player in the starting lineup for the last three games of the finals that helped support Dirk all the way to a championship, J.J. Barea. Led by J.J. and Jason Terry, the Mavs' second unit proved to be the strength throughout the playoffs, where they led the NBA in bench scoring. But for games 4, 5, and 6 in the NBA Finals, Mavs coach Rick Carlisle inserted Barea into the starting five to help the Mavs space the floor and put more playmaking around Dirk. J.J. Barea had a knack for running the pick-and-roll with Dirk that helped the Mavs score more efficiently on their run to a title. Dirk Nowitzki couldn't score the way he did if he didn't have much-needed support from someone like J.J. Barea. Sometimes, you and I need that kind of support, too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. So let's get you caught up on some NBA news. Zion Williamson and Montrez Harold both have left the bubble for family reasons. The quarantine period would be the same as Dennis Schroeder would. I believe this would be excused absences, of course. They'd have to test negative every single day that they're outside the bubble, and then quarantine for four days once they return with negative tests every single day. For the NBA, you look at this and, and you just think, oh man, again, we, we, we market around Zion and again it fails. And this, this is not Zion's fault. He did not ask to be injured and then ask to be baby by the Pelicans to eliminate basically his first half of, the, of his rookie season uh, and, and kind of ruin the national TV games for the NBA. He did not ask for family, you know, emergencies to happen while in a global pandemic and while playing at Disney World. So he couldn't have foreseen this. The NBA couldn't have foreseen this. But man, you, you get so excited to watch Zion and then he's just not there. He's not there. Uh, but I hope everything's fine and okay with each of their families. For Zion, you know, his his absence matters more, not just in the sense of getting the NBA TV eyeballs and TV ratings, which is why they're doing this. They're trying to make money and they need that TV ratings to go up. But for the Pelicans, who were a scrappy team all year long, many people thought that they would overtake that eight seed in this final stretch of the season. And that's why you see the Memphis Grizzlies with a devastatingly hard schedule in the restart and the Pelicans with a easy breezy schedule in the restart. But without Zion, that's going to be tough to navigate. And it was going to be an uphill battle even with those schedules in their favors. It was going to be an uphill battle anyway. 
And if Zion misses one or two games, that's tough. I mean, it really is for the Pelicans. Now, luckily for the Pelicans, their first game while on national television is against the Utah Jets, who I think are going to be awful in this restart. Sorry, my boss, David Locke. Sorry about that. But I don't think they're going to be good in the bubble. I really don't. So I think Brandon Ingram, Lonzo Ball, I think those guys can handle the Jazz if he only misses one game. And then you get him right back, and, and hopefully he's healthy, his family is healthy, and he can play basketball because it's so fun to watch Zion play basketball. Now, Montrezl Harrell, the, the Clippers can navigate this eight games. Even if, even if he misses all eight games, it'll be fine for the Clippers. It'll be fine for him. They'll be happy to have him back for the postseason. That's what really matters for the Clippers. They're not worried about these seeding games. They've pretty much locked up their position, and they're just really chilling for these eight games. But also inside the NBA... Eric Bledsoe and Pat Connaughton have both tested positive for COVID-19, leaving the Bucks without two of their pretty important rotational players. I, I'm sure they'll both be back for the postseason, which again, for the Bucks is all that matters. They don't really care about these eight seeding games, especially having that one seed in the East wrapped up. And with the fact that home court does not matter in the NBA Finals, you're not going to travel to L.A., they're not going to travel to Milwaukee. You're not going to play in front of your fans. It does not matter. If they get to the NBA Finals, it does not matter if they're the home team and get to wear white jerseys or if they're the away team and wear, what do they wear, black on the road. I'm not sure what the Bucks wear on the road, probably black or green or something like that. But nonetheless, it won't matter what jersey you're wearing if you're Milwaukee. You've got Giannis. So hopefully Pat and Eric Bledsoe can return healthy and are asymptomatic and are feeling good. But James Harden is back inside the bubble and he's practicing. I guess he did not have COVID the same way Russ did. He's already in the bubble. He's been practicing all weekend. And he did create a bit of a stir wearing a mask that had the blue stripe uh, and that many associate with Blue Lives Matter, which is the police movement in all of this. And James Harden says that he had no idea that the, that the two were linked. He just liked that the mask would cover his entire face, including his beard, uh, and it would go all the way down his face and cover his beard. And he felt it was more protective that way, you know, locking in all of the air to him, even below the beard. You know, I, I don't know. I mean, there's plenty of masks that do that. I think that the NBA are even giving these guys masks like that, the face shields like that. But I don't know. I, I don't know if you can say you had no idea and it was just a cool design. <laughs> and it just so happened to be linked with Blue Lives Matter. But Hey, that, that's his story. He's sticking to it. And we've still got a very fun week planned here on Locked on Thunder. Tomorrow, we will preview the Clippers series if it gets there. We'll also talk on Thursday about Chris Paul and how the 76ers being amazing inside the bubble could benefit Chris Paul in the Oklahoma City Thunder. And on Friday, we'll talk with Madison Morris of 107.7 The Franchise all about the Thunder restart. It's going to be fun. I hope you'll stay with us. Subscribe to Locked on Thunder wherever you get your podcasts. Follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles. That's at R-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I-L-E-S. Be good and be good to one another. We'll see you next time on Locked on Thunder. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? 
I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.